It's Tuesday, April 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Matt Argersinger. How are you? Hey, pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Part of the reason you and I are both good, neither one of us was in Boston yesterday for the marathon. I know. <laughs> weather was horrible. It looked like a good time, but yeah, weather was... I think not. it was the, 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 uh, the woman who came in, I believe she came in third overall, compared running in the marathon yesterday to uh, running in a washing machine, because it was just <laughs> wow. so chaotic. On, on cold cycle, too. It was, it was <laughs> exactly. It was brutal. But, uh, but kudos to everyone who ran. Uh, we're going to be heavy on the video stocks today. And I should start by saying, expressing my condolences for our friend and colleague, Taylor Muckerman, because on yesterday's episode, Taylor was talking about how he was really hoping Netflix was going to put up a terrible quarter so that there would be a pullback in the stock so that he could buy some shares. And in fact, the exact opposite happened. Yeah, sorry, Taylor. That didn't work out for you. First quarter report for Netflix, nearly 7.5 million subscribers added worldwide. Shares of Netflix up 8% this morning. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. It, but that's the sound of both of us shaking our heads. Um, what stood out to you, other or was it was it the global beat? Well, you know, to me, the the subscriber numbers are, are everything. That's that's what the market has decided to focus on, obviously, because if they're looking at the uh, profits or the cash flow, eh, you know. But what actually stood out to me was not so much the the global beat. I thought the global subscriber numbers would be would be big, but they added almost two million net subscribers. In the U.S., which I don't know how many households are left that don't have Netflix, but apparently still many, because I'm surprised that 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 number is growing, still growing as fast as it is. So that was that was surprising to me. But then, yeah, five, you know, almost five and a half million net net additions internationally. That's huge. I mean, overall, a 26% year-over-year increase in total subscribers to 125 million. And you remember they raised prices this past year, and I think that's probably what's What's galvanized the investors and the stock price is just that this is a service with pricing power. It's as popular as ever, uh, and you know visions of adding tens of millions of more subscribers in the years to come. I can see why the market is excited. Well, and it seems like they have. Uh, I, I don't want to give Amazon all the credit here, uh, but uh, if you if you look at sort of the value proposition of Amazon Prime, it appears as though. Reed Hastings and his team at Netflix are operating from a similar level of confidence in this regard. We feel like our service is so good that if we can just get people to try it, they're going to stick with it. And you, when you look at the partnership with Comcast, when you look at sort of the the telecoms, the mobile carriers that are saying that are including some version of, hey, we'll give you yes. three months of Netflix for free, sort of that sort of thing. Um, that that I think that as much as anything is probably continuing to feed into the U.S. growth. I totally agree because what Netflix has done over the past several years, which is invest in so much content. So now, if you try Netflix for a month or two months, you're, there's a high likelihood you're going to find at least something that you like uh, and are going to want to watch on, on Netflix. And so, you know, what I'm looking at in terms of what they plan just for this year. So they're going to spend about eight billion dollars on content, which is a staggering number. I mean, that is that is more than 
the biggest media companies uh, in the world spend on content on any, any given year. They're going to release 700 original pieces of programming, uh, and that includes about 80 movies. That's more than any film studio. Uh, they're going to release a stand-up special roughly once a week, uh, and many as many sub- unscripted series as any U.S. cable network. And so, I'm going to if I if I get on Netflix, I'm going to find some things that I like, you know. And 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 again, the the price. Depending on what plan you're on, but ten dollars a month for Netflix is still not a big hurdle for a lot of people who go to it for entertainment at least several times a month. I don't know to what extent, if any, um, on the conference call, marketing costs were discussed. But I did see that Reed Hastings, I think it was he or someone on the call, called out the the Super Bowl ad that they bought promoting the the Cloverfield experiment movie. I'm botching the name of it, but right. but but sort of calling that out, saying that calling that a successful move on their part and as they look to, I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of investors have looked at this company and said, yeah, yeah, they need to invest in content. That's money well spent. Um, it seems like there's at least a little bit more talk now coming from Netflix about the money that they're spending on marketing. And presumably, that needs to ramp up as well. And I don't know if it is anywhere near the point where it is concerning. I don't think it's concerning, but you're right. That's going to be another big source of expense. I mean, that's in addition to the $8 billion that they're going to have to spend just on the creation of content, licensing of content. And so, you know, I but I do I do believe the billions they're going to spend on that are money well spent because, like I said, it's it's it, I'm not interested in Cloverfield, but guess what? Probably several million people are, and so they tried Netflix to get into the platform and see, uh, you know, see what else is out there. Um, I will say this: um, as of this morning, as we tape, Netflix's market cap 140 billion, and so you know, 125 million subscribers. Do a little math. The market is valuing each Netflix subscriber at about $1,100 each. Now, I am not a expert when it comes to you know lifetime value valuations and models and things like that. That's a pretty expensive model for any subscription business, multiple. And so, what the market is clearly saying is, this is a, this is a platform that should, in a few years, have 200 million. 300 million, eventually maybe 500 million. You know, uh, I know our, our our colleague here, David Kretzman, put out a tweet the other day. Reckless prediction thinks Netflix will have a billion subscribers worldwide. You know, I maybe it's possible, but clearly the market's definitely valuing it as that. I mean, this is now one of the biggest companies in the world, um, and they do one thing really, really well, uh, and the market seems to uh, appreciate the growth in subscribers. And so. All right, we're going to stick with video. Go to a company with a much smaller market cap, although it is getting larger today, and that's Roku. Roku shares are up 12% this morning on the announcement that Roku is going to offer access to Disney's new ESPN Plus video streaming service. That on the on the surface, that just seems like a good move for Roku, and I could see the stock bumping up a little bit on that partnership. Twelve percent seems a little high to me. I, I but you tell me. No, I, I I don't I don't get the move either. In fact, I don't really get Roku. <laughs> we should start. Maybe we should start there. I because I I don't I rate Roku is is essentially a nice nice interface for you to access all your entertainment apps in one place. There's other things you can do, but. I just what I what I don't get is I don't get the value proposition of Roku versus say my PlayStation 4 which kind of does this, a lot of the same things or just any smart TV nowadays which kind of can bring together all your apps as long as they're you know it's connected to a broadband connection. So 
I'm a little. I, I I'm still. I you know we're gonna have to have Dylan Lewis on this uh, on our, on the show at some point and tell us because I I just don't understand this business well enough and I I can't understand why it's trading at the valuation it is. Well, and when you look at Netflix business model, it's really easy to understand. It's a subscriber model. Yeah, Roku's is a little tougher. The overwhelmingly. Roku is streaming a lot of Netflix, and that's great if you're Netflix. Um, Roku is not really making nearly the amount of money off of that streaming that Netflix is. No. So I, uh, this seems, by the way, like a a pretty nice move for Disney. I mean, it gets it gets because they are looking to get the ESPN Plus. Uh, app into as many people's devices as possible. So I I get why they're doing it. Um, I'm not really sure where, not really sure where the value proposition is for Roku. No, I don't I don't understand where they sit in the value chain of all this. Uh, they are a in my view a hardware device, even though it's kind of built in nowadays. But it's just it's it's nothing nothing beyond Fire Amazon Fire TV or Apple TV or just a smart TV. It. I don't understand. I don't get where competitively where they sit. Now, as you said, but Disney obviously with now the ESPN Plus, similar to Netflix, they're just trying to get it in front of as many people as possible and try to hook in subscribers. And and Roku is a popular platform right now for doing that. I don't see a lot of long term value for Roku, but right now a lot of people use Roku. And now that that's there, that's that's good for Disney. Absolutely, it is good for Disney, and I think that you know what's similar in in the case of Netflix and Roku, and really all of these, you know, Hulu, Amazon Prime, they're all trying to not just get as much content as they can without drastically overpaying for it, but they're also trying to appeal to as many pockets as they can, as many demographics. So it's. You know, in the case of Netflix, is yeah, we want to have as you said, I'm right there with you. Like Cloverfield, I'm not. That's not my type of movie. Um, but I'm interested in the stand-up specials. I'm interested in original series as well as sort of older series. I mean, right now in my house, we're as a as a family, we're sort of binge watching Parks and Recreation, which is which is great because yeah. you know er, you know everyone can enjoy it. Um, but I think that you know, in the case of Roku, hey, everybody knows. ESPN, that's a brand that they don't have to spend a lot of time and energy explaining to people. So I, I think, again, it seems like a plus. I just don't know if it's a 12 percentage points plus. No, I, I totally agree. Um, by the way, speaking of uh, ESPN, I should mention uh, on Motley Fool Money this weekend, our guest is going to be Jim Miller, who um, May be best known for writing the ESPN book. Uh, those guys have all the fun. He also has um, the Origins podcast. The first season was about Curb Your Enthusiasm, and the second season was about ESPN. And uh, later this week, uh, going to be sitting down with him. And uh, if anyone knows ESPN inside and out, it's Jim Miller. So we're we're definitely going to be digging into uh, the the new app and what it means for. Uh, Disney and more. Do you think you're going to give it a try, ESPN Plus? Um, I think at some point I probably will, but um, but it's not it's not urgent. I'm still one of those people who has cable in the home, so I already yeah. have ESPN, and so um, you know I have enough. 
I need more time. That's what I need. Well, there if you I, go. If that's, I had more well, time, and that's a great point with all of these things, right? It's it's, it's they're all competing for our time. How there's great, a limited number of time. By the way, time. how great was that line of Reed Hastings when when talking about competition and he said sleep? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's one thing. That's a Hall of Famer. Right um, where where is uh, and we'll just we'll stick with video uh, for uh, just a, a minute or two longer. Um, now that ITE is public. Have you? You've talked about this before. Is this of interest to you? Is this is this a stock you've already bought, or you're it's on the watch list, or like when you see? It? And for those who don't know, IGE was essentially spun out of Baidu, uh, so the Google of China spins out the Netflix of China. Right. Um, and as you said before, it seems like if if nothing else, it's a win for Baidu shareholders because Baidu still has the ownership stake. Yes, big majority ownership stake. So this was rare for me because I. I I don't think I've ever done this ever and but I but I bought IGE the day of the IPO. So IPO came out and that's you know in his, historically that's not a great time to buy stock on the day of its IPO because it's you know it's coming in with a lot of momentum it's priced very high it's it's goosed up the numbers use your excuse but I I'm just so compelled by the position of this company um, you know, relative to its market opportunity, its relationship with Baidu, and the fact that it's grown uh, subscribers in China from 10 million at the end of 2015 to more than 60 million now, uh, as of February. And I, I imagine, just like Netflix, they're adding several million net subscribers a year now or a month now. Uh, and so, very excited to see where this goes. Um, the Chinese, the Chinese market's interesting in the in the sense that I think it's going to come down to a few. Players, um, they don't have the the cable kind of legacies that we have here in the U.S. There's just not a lot of uh, competing time. In other words, so it's it's coming really down to I think IGE, controlled by Baidu. You have Tencent, which has a big video service, and then you have uh, Alibaba, which also owns a stake in a popular video streaming service. And in terms of mobile. These three are really competing for everyone's time, um, and I think uh, IGE has a little bit of the edge right now. Um, they have a relationship with, with Netflix, which I think is only going to help. Um, but they have some of the most popular TV shows and films in China, and so uh, I just think a lot of people are going to gravitate to that platform. Uh, and the stock, the market value of the company right now, 14 billion. It's less than a tenth of the value of Netflix, um, and has, but has roughly half the subscribers. That's a really simplistic view of it. Um, it's, it, you know, there's no way I can assign the same lifetime value to an IGE subscriber as I can to a Netflix subscriber. But if IGE can become one of the leading streaming services in China, if not elsewhere, but certainly in China, it is going to be a much, much bigger company in the future. Yeah, and this really is yet another industry where there's going to be more than one winner. You know, when we oh, talk totally. about when totally. we talk about the war on cash, and Jason Moser a year ago said, "I'm I'm buying a basket of." Stocks that are competing against cash. I mean, you could do a whole lot worse um, to take a chunk of your portfolio and just say, you know, make it the war on cable. Yeah, no, the <laughs> basket and right. just say, I'm going to buy a little bit of Netflix. Yeah, sure, I'm going to throw a couple dollars at Roku because who knows? Right, and um, and throw IGE in there as well. And then you know Disney with what they're doing, and and eventually, hopefully by the end of this year, having a majority stake in Hulu, which I think is another one of the big players. I mean, it's. Yeah, you can do buy a basket of a bunch of these companies, and I think you'll do very well. It's certainly it is certainly where entertainment 
is going. There's no question about that. Last thing before we go, because I name-checked you on yesterday's episode in talking about <laughs> uh, the upcoming earnings season, is there a company this earnings season that you would love to see put up a terrible quarter <laughs> and have some irrational selling against, so that you could say, I'm going to pick up a couple of shares at a cheaper price? You know, I'll give you two. Um, one I already mentioned, which is uh, Tencent, which is a uh, you know a company that uh, there's so much to admire about where they are competitively in China as as essentially China's largest social media company as one of the planet's biggest video game publisher uh, so much going forward the uh, and video streaming as we mentioned so I'd love to see it's 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 a massive company that's had a huge run I'd love to see them take a hit and then one company that I I followed very closely is a company called Atlassian uh, the ticker is T E A M it's a kind of a it's a international software company they own Trello which is something which oh, is yeah. a workforce collaboration we use that all the time we use it full, right? Uh, really great business run by a couple founders. Um, so expensive, though, on a valuation basis, but just doing a lot of great things. And I would love if the market just hated them for a, a <laughs> one quarter or two and I could buy, buy a shares cheaper. The ticker symbol is team? Team, it is. Nice. And it kind of like, you know, they're a team collaboration biz, software business. So it makes sense. Matt Argersinger, thanks for being here, Matt. Oh, thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.